Welcome to Meekum Presents On The Move, brought to you by State Farm. It's the show geared toward keeping you up to speed with the latest auto news, event coverage, and expert industry insight. Now, here are your hosts, Matt Avery and John Craman. Hey, and welcome to another On The Move. And John, man, we have a lot to get into in this show as we have not one but two Megum auctions taking place this October. So we have our eyes set on all things Tennessee. Starting with in segment two, uh, I've got an interview with well-known racing driver Lynn St. James. And the reason why she's a part of what's going on is that Megum's Chattanooga auction is taking place on the same weekend as the Chattanooga Motor Car uh, Festival. And Lynn is the Grand Marshal. So I'll be getting the scoop on what she up to as well as some of the special things in store for the festival. Uh, now, speaking of Mecham news, we've got some to get to. We have a new issue on the digital newsstands of the Mecham magazine. This is the November issue. John, what were you writing your column at the red line? Well, again, Matt, it's always fun to kind of give our listeners just a little bit of a teaser about what about what we both write about. Uh, at the red line is my monthly column, and it is titled Coyote power memories and i would just tell you that it's inspired by the fact that as we know as we as we've have uh, previously reported on is that is for the new generation of mustang that'll be de- de- that will be debuting in 2024 they are continuing along with traditional ice power including uh the uh, rehashed five liter coyote with the manual transmission so i'm just kind of going back to 2011 when the first coyote got under my radar screen how about you well in my column on the move john i spotlighted i think one of uh, our collective favorite displays at this year's pebble beach concourse which was a lineup of some of the most historically significant hot rods uh kind of right. an unusual sight to see that there at the lawn but definitely definitely an uh, a favorite of ours and i also did a, a pretty large feature on a really unique vehicle heading to Meekum's upcoming uh, Kissimmee auction. It's a 1968 Oldsmobile 442 show car that debuted at the Chicago Auto Show. So if people want to certainly read those, head over to Meekum.com. Now, John, as uh, we've talked about, we have a lot going on this October. We have some auction previews, starting with, first up, the uh, Meekum's return to Schaumburg, Illinois for the uh, the big auction there. Why don't you run down some of the details of what people can expect? Great three-day auction mat that'll be october uh 13th through the 15th and uh, i want to say that that auction will be televised on motor trend schedule yet still being determined but what i why this is so noteworthy is is we've got obviously the chattanooga auction coming up at the very same time that's running october 14th and 15th it will be the very first time that mecham auctions has had two consignment collector car auctions running at the exact same time so they've taken the crew split it right down the middle us tv guys we head over to chicago uh it's really going to be good both auctions are expected to be very strong and uh let's focus in a little bit first of all in chicago long running traditional kind of a homecoming for mecham auctions matt because it's the closest to our mecham headquarters up in walworth wisconsin only about maybe an hour and 15 minutes or so uh southeast of there uh, a great lineup of cars. A couple of them, though, I have to just admit, have really jumped out at me. Uh, both are LS6 Chevelles, of course. That 450 horsepower LS6 and that 70 Chevelle, the King Kong, the highest horsepower rating of any muscle car from that time period. Two really great examples as almost total opposites would be great bookends. First one, pretty traditional, red, four-speed, bucket seats. Okay. Pretty cool. Yep. Second one, black with a black vinyl top with a gold 
bench seat interior ah. and the specially calibrated turbo 400 transmission shifted on the column. I'm going to be keeping an eye on both of those to see which one's going to win, sure. the automatic or the four-speed. <laughs> well, John, you found a pair and I found a pair of uh, a okay. slightly different type of vehicle. We've got two trucks crossing the block. And I got to say, I think they're kind of cut hmm. from the same cloth. First up is a 1947 Dodge Power Wagon. And these are, are some of my favorite classic pickups just because of how tough they were built in the wide range of applications that they could be used for. And this one really has a, a great contemporary look. It's painted gray with black accents, really kind of on trend with what's popular today, which is the story with another truck, uh, a 1955 Ford F-100, also going into kind of that stealth look with a, a black paint job and black wheels. Both have a really neat appearance to them, and uh, these are two that I'll certainly be watching as they cross the block. Cool. Yeah, they all sound good. Uh, of course, the Mecham Chattanooga auction, Chattanooga auction that we mentioned, part of the Chattanooga Chattanooga Motor Car Festival, a big, huge automotive event going on down there. Two-day auction, October 14th and 15th. Roughly 600 entries expected down there, Matt. And, you know, I'm going to stick with a pick that I particularly uh, uh, like, and I'm going to keep my eye on for sure, old school muscle all the way. Very rare, 1969 Plymouth GTX, but a convertible version with the automatic. Only 362 of those were built. Standard engine, of course, the 440, 375 horsepower. It's yellow in color. It's beautifully restored. It's won a bunch of awards. I'm going to be watching that one. Uh, you've got an interesting group of vehicles that you've had a chance to actually shake hands with personally that are heading on over to Chattanooga. Fill us in. Yeah, one of the large collections, John, is called the Firehouse Find because uh, a collector in northern Georgia over the last four decades has amassed a very large collection of all kinds of vintage vehicles, and he stored them in a historic Georgian firehouse on two <laughs> levels. So uh, really well-preserved, out of the elements, and really some of the some of the the all-time favorites for collectors there's 15 thunderbirds including 13 of the first gen baby birds there's corvettes including a 1993 40th anniversary convertible there's mustangs there's a bunch of bel airs including a 1956 nomad station wagon there's a 1968 cougar uh, there's cadillacs there's oldsmobiles there's lincoln's just all kinds of stuff, John. And like you mentioned, I was there on site doing some video work and it's pretty special to see these vehicles tucked away just because it is a unique setting. Obviously, they're not there for long. They're going to be transported up to Chattanooga and you know, when they do cross the block, it's going to be a great option for collectors to get some really well-known makes and models. And I believe all those firehouse cars are going to be selling at no reserve. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Better. Now, John, let's pivot a little bit to talk about what's going on in the auto industry, starting with uh, the latest from Tesla. You know, uh, <laughs> Elon Musk always knows how to uh, get attention. He's done that recently with uh, some online posting about the Cybertruck, a vehicle that uh, is promised in its coming uh you know he tweeted out about some some rumors i'm going to call them or, or maybe even a joke about how it might be able to do some some water capabilities which i <laughs> you know i think you and i are both in agreement that that kind of stuff is is really is that really going to be baked into the truck or is that just to kind of cause attention either way john the bottom line to me is that the cyber truck while it has been delayed it is coming and that's what i'm most excited about you know matt it's a good point we first heard about the cyber truck all the way back in 2019 
we were expected to see it in production in 2021, but we know how the pandemic just really messed everything up. So here's what we think is going to happen now. I'm expecting to see it maybe around mid 2023, three versions, uh, single motor, double motor, and a triple motor is the top of the line. Uh, looks like range, depending on the version, could be anywhere between 250 and 500 miles. I expect that they'll be built in Austin, Texas. And, you know, I just want to give a shout out to kind of where Tesla's at right now. Believe it or not, we first saw them back in 2008 with their little Roadster based on the Lotus Elise that ran from 08 to 2012. But since the production of the traditional Tesla car right now, over 3 million production Teslas have been built and it all began with the Model S in 2012. They've really kind of got it going on. And a final point, in 2022 third quarter alone, they had production numbers of almost 366,000 Teslas. Yeah, it really impressive. It, it is. And it's one of those where, you know, Tesla has long crossed the threshold of uh, becoming now, I, I think, a, a major automaker. You know, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. And that's why I'm optimistic about the Cybertruck in terms of just what Elon has in store for it. You know, a lot of the talk out there in the new car world is about the foray into electric. And it seems right. like the most prolific examples we've seen have been from from the truck variants, you know, Ford's Lightning and others coming. But I'm, I'm excited to see what he has in store for the Cybertruck. I think it will be edgy and funky and very cool. So I'm excited. Cool. <laughs> Me too. All right. Well, speaking of things that we're looking forward to, pivoting away from that, let's talk a little bit about ICE uh, powertrains, John, because uh, one of the automakers that has, again, caused quite a stir with some of their announcement about future plans, some of the rumors out there has been Stellantis. Uh, most recently this summer with some of the news about what is in store with Dodge about Charger and Challenger and then maybe some kind of a future electric variant in the Daytona concept. But one of the things that's kind of quietly bubbling to the surface is the inline six cylinder right. engine. And uh, you and I are both optimistic about where what range of uh, applications that can be used for. Right. Here's what we know so far about that, Matt. First of all, let me just kind of break down what this engine is. This was an all new design. It's an inline three liter six and when you think wow it's kind of old tech and it is of course the inline six kind of standard bearer in the automotive world for the past 100 years but look at all the vehicles that have established such a reputation of the reliability and the smoothness of an inline six uh starting of course with the chevy stove bolt the ford 300 cubic inch six and the trucks is legendary the inline six cylinder engines on various jeep products mercedes-benz BMW, Toyota Super, all inline sixes. So uh, not surprised that they chose that platform for a high-tech, new era, all-new engine, double overhead cam, four-valve per cylinder, turbocharged, a 400-horsepower version, and a 500-horsepower version. Now, the 400-horsepower version will be a regular fuel engine, while the higher output will require premium fuel. But guess what? We, we now know that Stellantis will be debuting this engine coming up next year in the Jeep Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. They're just now going out to the press, and we should start hearing some reports of just how well this engine performs, uh, replacing, of course, the traditional Hemi engine that's been kind of the standard bearer of the Mopar world uh, really since the mid-2000s as we know that's going away and Stellantis is saying think of this really um, as as a bridge uh, between uh, the current ICE engines the Hemi engines 
and battery only, the BEV vehicles. My prediction is, is they're going to be um, adding to that powertrain some type of a hybrid assist, whether or not that'll be standard or that'll be part, you know, that'll be an option. I don't know. We're still learning. But here's the bottom line, Matt. Here's why I think it's worthy of discussion today a little bit. And that is, it looks to me like Stellantis is not eliminating all ICE vehicles. They've developed this engine. We know that it will fit in a variety of existing platforms and potentially any new platforms coming out. What are your thoughts about Stellantis and putting priority on an all-new ICE engine? Well, now is the time to debut a new ICE engine, John, where I think technology is there that it's, it's proven that we don't always have to have larger displacement to get equivalent or in some cases superior performance. So I think an inline six is a great timing for that. It kind of reminds me of a couple years ago when Ford debuted the EcoBoost V6. Okay. And I know they got a lot of flack for the the applications that they chose to put it in. And yet I think now that's been out in the market for a number of years, customers have seen that that engine, despite being a V6, can perform just as well, if not better than some of the larger V8. So I think this is going to be a similar situation where some of the, some of the diehards might turn up their nose at the prospect of having maybe even a muscle-oriented vehicle from Dodge or Stellantis with an inline six-cylinder. But once they get behind the wheel and they see the performance, I think they'll have their minds changed. Well, I think it all boils down to, Matt, is what do the various automotive companies, what can they do to keep ICE engines relevant in regards to both fuel economy and for emissions, yet maintaining a high level of performance? And I think that's where this engine just might be Uh, It just might be the ticket as we move forward with other products in the Stellantis lineup, which might possibly include Ram truck, something from Dodge, don't know anything about Chrysler, but we do know that the Wagoneer is going to be debuting this engine soon, and it'll give us the first chance to take a peek at it. I look forward to it. Mecham Auctions is proud to bring you On the Move with Matt Avery and John Craman. For more on the world of collector cars, head over to Mecham.com. Now let's get back to the show. Well, joining me now is Lynn St. James. She is a well-known racing driver with seven Indianapolis 500 starts, including she was the uh, Rookie of the Year in 1992. She's also competed at numerous other automotive events, including the 24 Hours of Daytona, the 12 Hours of Sebring, and the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And she has used her expertise to provide all kinds of TV commentary and race coverage. She's an author, and she speaks regularly, encouraging women to get involved with motorsports. She can be found attending all kinds of automotive events and gatherings and will be a celebrity guest at this year's third annual Chattanooga Motor Car Festival. Now, Lynn, before we get to your role with the festival, you have another major event that you're a part of. It is the Women with Drive 2 Summit, which is an offshoot of the organization Women in Motorsports, which you're also a part of. So let's start our time. Get us up to speed. What is this event and what's this organization and how did they both come about? Well, it it really came about, you know, I've been sort of working on the subject matter, shall we call it, or, you know, about trying to help support women in motorsports and for a long time, but it's, you know, it's kind of like, okay, okay, okay. You know, it's, there's a theory out there. If you're good enough, particularly in motorsports, I mean, in racing, you've got, you know, we don't have mediocrity in racing. You've got to be the best. Then if you're good enough, you'll make it. Well, this doesn't always work out that way. So, um, but I, I kind of got quiet for a while. And then I went to the Indy 500 as we all do. Um, at least I think we all do. And last year when Beth Peretta was there with her female forward team and, and I went down on pit lane and 
you know, and I saw these gals all in uniform over the, they were getting ready because they were going to be over the wall as well as Beth as an owner and of course Simona as the driver. But I saw this sort of collective force of women and I, I got chills and I, I, I just, I gave them all some advice and as best as I could. And, and, um, and then, you know, Beth gave me a hug and, and I said, I, I had no idea how alone I really was back when I was. And I never felt that way really at the time. But, but when I saw that sort of collective feeling, I, I, it just really, it overwhelmed me. And I followed up with Beth and, and we chatted for a while. And uh, after that, and we, you know, I'm also on the FIA Women in Motorsports Commission. And so I've been sort of, you know, learning about what's going on globally for that in that subject. And so Beth and I put our heads together and we ended up saying, let's just blow this out and, and make this an industry-wide event or organization or whatever comes out of it. And so we invited uh, 40 other men and women uh, in motorsports, professionals in motorsports. And we had an literally monthly Zoom calls, as we all now live on Zoom. And uh, as an outreach of that, Women in Motorsports North America was formed. We decided it was, you know, we needed an organization to, to involve everybody and be very inclusive. And we launched it on EPAR Trade in April of this year and it applied for 501c3 status, which we got by the from the IRS in, in August. It's a big deal when you do these kinds of paperwork things that you've got to go through. And, uh, and we the first thing we did was create a, a website and it's women in it's women in motorsports. Oh my God! It's women in motorsports na.com, and uh, that portal is like this. It's just this breadth of information about motorsports. No matter who you are, if you wanted to understand about what it's like to work in motorsports, what kind of jobs are available, what kind of careers are available, um, all different just resources of information, what other organizations or websites or clubs or whatever are doing. SCCA's got their women on track. And so we want to be this sort of advocate portal of information about motorsports, particularly for women. And so um, that's how we've been just, we've been working hard uh, this year and it's, we're just excited because now we have this Women with Drive Summit, which is happening in Charlotte on October 5th and 6th. That's very soon, right around the corner. Sold out. The industry has shown up big time. We have sponsors from every OEM, every sanctioning body, racetracks, you know, suppliers, vendors. I mean, it's it's a really what exactly what I had dreamed it would be, which is an industry-wide supportive event. We have over 250 people that are attending. Um, they're executives as well as students that are aspiring to be in the motorsports industry. Um, and so that two-day event is, is going to be another major um, delivery, I guess, of what it is that Women in Motorsports North America is doing. And we already have uh, this is meant to be an annual event, and we already have 2023s going to be on November 7th and 8th in Phoenix at Phoenix Raceway. And uh, so we're rocking and rolling. <laughs> Fantastic. Lynn, it sounds like you have so much momentum behind this initiative. And of course, I know a lot of it comes from your passion. I'm curious, are you seeing a uh, changing of the tide in terms of are more and more women getting out and getting involved in motorsports? You know, absolutely. Um, you know, it used to just be highlighted only because it was so unusual and to be honest it was sort of a scattered oh isn't that good isn't that great we've got one women engineer we've got one you know women race car driver we've got one women executive but now you've got i mean it, like you've got two presidents of racetracks that you know at least it, that i'm aware of there's probably more but we've got jill gregory and at sonoma and we've got julie guys over at, at phoenix and so you know we have women in every sort of category and every discipline 
And we don't just have one, you know, we have numbers now. And so, um, but it's, you know, it's still maybe 10, 15% of, of a particular um, discipline. And so how are we going to grow that? And one of the things that I, it's a theory, I have these theories in life. Uh, one is women need to be invited and men just show up. Um, so we need to let women know that, that we are inviting women to come into this board and into this industry. Um, and the other is, why would you aspire to something that you can't see anybody else being successful? So what we want to do is put a spotlight on all the successful women in the sport so that others can look at it and say, wow, that's really cool. I want to do that. And so that's really the, the, the sort of my two theories of what we're trying to you know, sort of implement is to highlight the successful ones and invite women because we want them we, to, for them to know they are wanted and they're needed. And, you know, they bring a different perspective. Uh, we bring a different perspective. And so, and, and that we're valued, that perspective is valued. Right. Well, Lynn, right from your event, you head off to the third annual Chattanooga Motor Car Festival. And in my intro, I announced that you would be a celebrity guest and I should provide a little bit of an update. You are actually the grand marshal for the event. Detail for us, what exactly are your responsibilities on site? Well, um, as the grand, I've only been a grand marshal a couple of other times, so I'm not really sure what they're going to do for me. Because last year, I w when I went last year for the first time, I mean, I'd never been to Chattanooga. I love the vibe of the city. I loved the event. I've, they had us just shuttling us all over the place because they have so much going on. I mean, I've been to a number of concours. I've been to a number of vintage races. I've been to a number of cars and coffee, as we all have. But to have everything there, I mean, they've got rallies going on on Thursday, Friday. They've got the racetrack um, with the Benny Trace with SVRA going on on Friday and Saturday. They've got the Meekum auction going on, I think, the whole weekend or at least for sure Friday, Saturday, maybe Sunday, too. I don't know the exact schedule on that. Um, they've got the actual car shows going on, you know, every day. They have their own little car shows. And, and then on Sunday is the big concourse. And so, you know, it, and then they have a festival, they have a, a Ferrari festival going on. They have, they have like this village where there's the festival for, for the whole families where everybody can. So it's just, a, it's a weekend festival. Um, it's actually a three-day festival if it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so when I saw, I went last year, I went, this is amazing. I mean, to take a community um, to, to invest in this. And, and it's, of course, it's also all for charity uh, and for neuroscience, um, the foundation, the Neuroscience Foundation. So it has a good feel about it. It has an exciting elements going on everywhere they have these big jumbo screens so that if you aren't where you want to be you can see what's going on over there where you, maybe you're going to go there later so if you're at the track you can watch what's going on in the town and vice versa and then go oh i gotta get over there you know so it's it's just fun um, and I'm excited to, to be the Grand Marshal but they have all kinds of celebrities I mean they've got Chip Foos coming and of course um, uh, Brian Redmond, who was the uh, the honoree and the Grand Marshal, who's now the full-time ambassador, and, and Corky Coker is out there, who's just a you know local, but he's also a celebrity. Um, they've got Donnie Allison, Tommy Kendall, Justin Bell, um, Ray Everham, Tanner Faust, and of course Linda Vaughn. Everybody loves Linda Vaughn, so they have racers and they have automotive specialists and in the industry they got Wayne Carini. I mean, it's it's like celebrities, cars, race cars beautiful um, vintage and antique and, and collector cars from every era. Um, and so it's, it's got it all. <laughs> well, here's what I want to know with so much to see and do, 
what are the vehicles that catch your attention? Are you drawn to the, the vehicles out racing? Are you drawn to the show vehicles, the pre-war classics, the Ferrari uh, display, the muscle car era? What's the stuff that's catching your eye? Well, I have to admit, let's see, the pre-war, I think everybody, it just you stops you in your tracks because we've only seen photographs of those cars. And, and so the pre-war cars, particularly the pre-war race cars, and then I got to drive one. I got to race one actually twice. And, um, and, and it's like a living history piece. Um, so those, I'm definitely attracted to those. And of course they do, they're called the ragtime racers and they come completely outfitted in period. So it, it's, it's very exciting. It's just something that you really have never, I've never seen before and, and they do it now. And every time I see it, I get just as excited, but you know, I have to admit, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a race car driver, but I'm just also a driver. And so I have a hard time getting too excited about just looking at a car stationary. Um, I like to see a move and I want to ultimately drive them to, you know, those are the ones that excite me or the ones that I get to drive, <laughs> but I, I appreciate, I just appreciate and respect the people that own these cars, that restore these cars, that collect these cars and then preserve those cars and then show them and share them with the public. So it's really more of the human experience of appreciation. Um, but when I, that I get excited about is, Oh, can I drive it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I see that you haven't lost the itch to get behind the wheel and put your right foot down. Oh, you got it. I just was a couple of weeks ago. I was at road America, you know, at a vintage race. And it was actually uh, to benefit women in motorsports, North America. And I got to do some hot laps. I got to give some rides and it just puts a smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to find out more about my guests, head over to lynnstjames.com. And there you can find out more about her work with the women in motorsports, along with the women with drive. Summit. And if you're anywhere near the Tennessee area, October 14th through the 16th, be sure to head down to beautiful downtown Chattanooga for the third annual Motor Car Festival. You can get all the details at ChattanoogaMotorCar.com. Lynn, it was such a pleasure catching up today, and I look forward to seeing you in Chattanooga. Thank you. I look forward to seeing everybody wherever I am. <laughs> You've been listening to Meekin Presents On The Move, brought to you by State Farm. For more information, visit Meekin.com. And join us again next time as we take you inside the world of muscle and collector cars and more.